Hello and welcome. You're listening to Writers Aloud, a podcast brought to you by writers for the Royal Literary Fund in London. Hello and welcome to episode 418 of Writers Aloud. In this episode, the second part of a two-part interview, Alexandra Benedict speaks with Doug Johnston about writing fiction and audio drama in the Doctor Who universe, co-writing works such as the Lovecraft-themed audio drama Arkham County with her partner Guy, and her sometimes stress-inducing habit of having many writing projects on the go simultaneously. You can hear the first part of this interview in our preceding episode, number 417. Alexandra Benedict is a prize-winning writer of novels, radio drama, scripts, short stories and poetry, specialising in speculative fiction. She has had four novels published to critical acclaim, most recently The Christmas Murder Game, published by Zaffer in 2021. She's written one novel and nine audio stories within the Doctor Who canon and has also co-written audio drama with her partner Guy Adams, including Arkham County, a horror drama for Audible based on the work of H.P. Lovecraft, and Children of the Stones, an updated BBC Radio 4 version of the 1970s television series. Before she embarked on her writing career, Benedict was an indie punk singer-songwriter as well as a composer for film and TV. She also acted in short films and on stage both professionally and with community theatres. She lives in Kent with her partner, their daughter and their dog, Dame Margaret Rutherford. So I want to talk about Doctor Who and about writing for mm. <laughs> writing for audio. So so you you know you're a lifelong Doctor Who fan, right? I am, yes. Uh, and you have been writing Doctor Who. You've got one novel. So the Stonehouse came out in 2016, right? Yeah. Which was a kind of spin-off of the the class show. It was a yes. BBC Three series. And this was a world. I mean, I, I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan. I, I certainly was as a kid, but I haven't really reconnected with it as an adult so much. But you know, in researching, chatting to you, I knew there was a big sort of Doctor Who, a huge audience <laughs> for this stuff. You know, the fandom. But yeah. I wasn't aware of how much content there is out there in terms of oh you know, yeah, in terms of hundreds of novels and all the yeah. audio stories and audio books and all that stuff. And you've been written something like nine different audio stories right I mm. think or something like across yeah various... so, well they have come out I've yeah. written more but they haven't come out right yet. okay so how did you get into this world how did you manage to, <laughs> manage to sneak your way in here it sounds great oh and it is sneaking in and, and this is how I always encourage new writers to go to conventions and things and conferences I met someone through big I did a women in film and tv uh, I was on their mentoring scheme because I want to write for TV and someone on there um, happened to do filming for Doctor Who Confidential and so she put my name forward to a producer and at the same time I'd met someone else who put my name forward to the same producer because I just didn't stop talking about Doctor Who (laughs) and so it was out of the blue I got an email saying I've just read The Beauty of Murder um, I, I know that you love Doctor Who and, and that comes through in The Beauty of Murder uh, would you like to write a Torchwood audio drama and I'd, I'd listened to the big Finnish audio dramas since since they came out right. and have read the Target novels and, and the Virgin novels and anything that I could really to do with Doctor Who since I was very very young so to be asked to write for that world was probably one of the biggest moments of my writing 
life. Yeah. And then they once once you're in somewhere, it's so much easier. Yeah. You know, I'd never even thought of writing to them to say, "Can I?" because I never thought I'd be able to, which is faulty logic in itself. Yeah. But if someone recommends you, then then that's how you get in. But people need to know about you first to recommend you, and it, that kind of circular logic locks so many people out. Yeah. It's it's very hard. So I was very lucky. To, as you say, sneak in. Because <laughs> I do feel it's like that. It, it's like I've uh, found the spare key to the TARDIS and uh, I'm still <laughs> hiding out there. Because it's so big, they're not going to find me. But there's a couple of things. Like, So when you get that email, obviously your first answer is, yes, of course, I'm going to do this. Absolutely. But um, <clears throat> there's, a, I mean, there's a couple of things that I'm interested in. So you, had, you, had you written anything for audio, for radio or anything like that beforehand? Because that's going to be quite a steep learning curve, isn't it? Mm. So did you? was it all panic stations or...? It was, yeah. <laughs> I'd written Doctor Who scripts since I was very young, since I was five, but right. I didn't actually know how to structure them or to do anything, really. And the producer, James Goss, who writes lots and lots for Doctor Who and is a brilliant writer, overall novels, and he's fantastic. He, he was very good at knowing that I hadn't done this before, so giving a structure. So even things like... Generally, no more than four pages to a scene to um, have about 25 scenes in a one hour audio. Just kind of things that are to hang a structure upon. Yeah, the sort of the shorthand things. That you, I mean, yes. that's the kind of stuff that's really useful, like, you know. Absolutely, completely. And he also sent scripts from recent audio dramas that were both re- related to that range I was writing for, mm-hmm. but also other things. So I, I could try and assimilate some of the tips. And and then as I wrote it and I didn't situate the characters well at the beginning, because in audio, you obviously have to show the reader without, you know, shouting it at them yeah. of where someone is, when someone is, what they're doing, who else is there. In the shortest amount of time and the short the fewest sounds possible. Yeah. And that's that that takes quite a while to get used to. For it to be smooth rather than okay, how can I say they're in this different room that's got a clock? And is that something that you have to be considering as well, the sort of sound design of what happens as well? Is that something you have to when you're doing the script stage or not? Completely. Yeah. Um, I was surprised by the extent to which that's required. And, and it varies depending on which company you work for. But generally, the writer gets to be very prescriptive about sound effects. So you always start with FX and, and what a listener will be able to hear and what kind of room it's in that would affect the sound. And I loved that because I can hear what's happening in my head really easily. So I I, I get more of a control by getting out what's in my head. Yeah. And I found that bit well, probably the easiest part of starting to write for radio because I could hear it already. Sure. Uh, the other thing that strikes me about sort of stepping into that world is, you know, there's obviously constraints because you're writing about characters that you haven't created. So you so mm. do, do you get given, because there's all, there's all sorts of different strands, of course, you know, uh, there's Rose Tyler and Torchwood, you mentioned various different mm. Doctor Who things. And yeah. and so do you, do you get given a Bible or do you do just, do they have people like some guy who just checks it and goes, no, that didn't, 25 years ago, this happened. So that can't happen and stuff like that. <laughs> how, does, how does it work? Well, 
Kind of, but also the people who write Doctor Who for audio dramas, they have their own internal Bible. Right. So um, I know an awful lot about Doctor Who and... I know I've watched so much about I've seen Tortured many times over. I, I've seen every Rose Tyler episode many, many times. So I've already internalized that information. And there might be something that is um, a continuity issue or that there's a, a timing or dating or something that would contradict something that came out in 1967 and we've lost that program or, or something like that where if you go online, there will someone will have written about it. Yeah. <laughs> so someone will have will have will have talked about a timing discrepancy. So luckily, the the geeks of the world um, help you out for the the trivialities. Not that they would see them as trivialities, yeah. but the smaller aspects. Um, otherwise, you probably wouldn't be doing it if you weren't an obsessive. And well, I'm I'm autistic, so I I retain everything. Right. So that's really handy when I'm going, okay, so how does this situate this story within the context of everything that's happened in Doctor Who since 1963, including the novels and all the audios? And while that's not comprehensive, it, it, it's, it's useful to be able to go into my vault for Doctor Who in my head and, and have a wander in there. Yeah, and that, I guess, that experience... I mean, because, you know, you, you said you built up a lot of experience writing for the audio world of mm. Doctor Who, but then there's other things that you've done that I want to talk about as well, one of which was Arkham County, mm. which uh, I loved. I, listened, I didn't realise um, oh! you'd written that, but I, <laughs> and I've got an audible thing, so I, I was like, oh, okay, I get to listen to that. It's great. Which you co-wrote with your partner, Guy, right? Is that yeah. right? And it's, and it's, yeah, and it's did, obviously yeah. kind of based on H.P. Lovecraft world, yes. effectively. But it's a sort of, I mean, well, how would you describe it? Horror? I, mean, I don't know. How would you describe it? I, I, definitely horror, yeah. yes. I've also, um, I, I changed lots of the characters and, and together we came up with more of an, uh, an overarching world that was our world meets Lovecraft. Right, um, yeah. and, and set in the modern day. Yes, that was the best fun. And, and writing with, with Guy is just brilliant. Yeah. It's so much fun. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. That's so, that's so good. I mean, I know a couple of other writers who write with their partners, and I, I, mean, yeah. I, I don't have a writer for a partner, so it just it's, it's a world that's... I can't even comprehend it. But, I mean, everyone seems to love it, so it's, why not? <laughs> I, I just think it's brilliant. Is it like a sounding and board? We'll, Do you work as each other's sounding yeah. boards? Is that how, how it goes? Or um, We... Uh, sit down and talk about it all through first because we've written a few things together including children of the stones and some yeah Doctor i want to ask stuff. about that sorry ah. <laughs> so we talk it all through and and then we just pass it back and forth so ideally by the time we we've given it in nobody would be able to tell who's done what we we have a similar style in some ways and each of us has different strengths, so we take on different parts. But you wouldn't be able to say, I wrote episode one sure. and Guy wrote episode two. We made sure we've all got, we've both got something in every episode. Yeah. One of the things I really loved about Arkham County was that it, that it reminded me of your earlier novels, is that it, you're not afraid of the kind of multi-stranded narrative. So, I mean, we're going into lots of POVs, effectively, yes. and getting lots of people's stories. Is that something that's always appealed to you? It feels like a kind of 
more like an almost Dickensian overview. I mean, it's not an, omnis- <laughs> it's not an omniscient narrator, but it's a bunch of different yeah. POVs. So it kind of feels like that. You're looking to try and paint a, a broader world, if that, if that makes sense. Yes, I, I love to be able to see something and, and feel something from other perspectives. So to be able to dip into other people's heads and know the way they observe and experience the world is, is fascinating to me. Um, it also um, appeals to my ADHD brain where I'll get bored if I'm with one person too long. <laughs> Fair enough. So I can then skip and, and get myself back to writing if I go into another voice. One final thing to ask about Arkham County is Stanley Tucci. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. When we found out that it was going to be Stanley Tucci. Oh, yes. That's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's I know. And, and hearing him do it as it came through what was a real joy. Go, yeah, that's even better than I imagined you doing it. Wow. Well done, Stanley. <laughs> well done, that man. You could, you could, yes. He could probably act a bit, can't he? I think he's all right. He's all right. He does okay. Um, you, you mentioned there, Children of the Stones. I thought that was terrific, your adaptation as well um, for the BBC. Thank you. So I'm of an age where I knew the original on, on TV. Mm. Um, it's kind of a landmark, like, you know, yeah. a dark, weird thing for kids, effectively. Yeah. Um, yeah it's so strange. <laughs> it's really so, horrible. So, how did that? Yeah. So, how did. I mean, you. One of the clever things I thought was how this was reframed. It was a very. It was 21st century version of it. And the yeah. central character is sort of doing a podcast. So it's feeding it. It was almost kind of meta, wasn't it? A little bit. Yes, She's doing absolutely. a podcast about weird things, yeah. that kind of thing. Yes. Which I yes. love as well, because I grew up with like Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Absolutely. All that sort of yeah. stuff. Unexplained yeah. phenomena. So I just, how did that come about? Did you have, I mean, was that a contact through the Doctor Who stuff or did you just pitch it? How does that work come to you? That was through um, Baffle Gab, the production company who made it. I had worked with them because they had heard my Doctor Who stuff and then asked me to adapt an MR James story. So I'd done that for them, which went out on Audible. And then he came to me and Guy and, and said, the rights are available for Children of the Stones and I'd like you to take them on. Wow. And he go, okay. Yes, please. Well, thank you. <laughs> which which was and, and it's another one of those things. I didn't pitch for it. Usually with Radio 4, it's it's quite a drawn out process um, where you get through various stages and pitch ideas and get through to shortlisted and then you have to write a lot more. But this was just, can you do this? And 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 here's some money. <laughs> So I've, I love Children of the Stones anyway, so it was a joy. This sounds like I've, I've done this deliberately like a proper interviewer, but um, <laughs> it, well, the thing that I loved about it as well, I mean, there's all sorts of things, but it, it was so good. You mentioned in it quite early on about the idea of objects, inanimate objects, having ghosts, mm-hmm. ghostly memories. It's the psychometry yes. and the stone tape theory. Which yes. was, I was just like, I was like, well, it's so good. This is exactly what Alexandra likes to write about. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it is. So it's yeah. just totally in your wheelhouse. You were able to use that because obviously touching the stones, you know, takes yes. the, the characters back in time. I thought it was, yeah. that was so good. That must have been so much fun to write. Oh, it, was, it was really fun to write. And I, I didn't know that Reese Shearsmith would be one of the actors in it either. So when I, when I found that out and how brilliantly he did it too. Brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. 
Oh, he was so Very proud of that one. He was so good as well. He's so good. <laughs> he I mean, like he is in everything, but uh, yeah, he was yes. just absolutely yeah. perfect for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so more recently, you've kind of back in the novel game with <laughs> the, back, like back in the game, uh, yeah. back in the novel game with the Christmas murder game. Um, yes. Which just came out last year, obviously at Christmas. It's, it felt quite different, I think, from stuff that mm. you'd written before. I don't know how you feel, yes. but I mean, it's it's clearly a kind of homage to, you know, the golden age of crime, the locked room kind of yeah. things. How, how did this that thing come about? Because that seems like a very slightly tangential thing for you in terms of themes and topic. Completely. I was very lucky in that Catherine Armstrong, who at the time was quite high up at, at Bonnier Zaffa, and uh, I've met her at uh, various conventions and conferences and things uh, around crime writing. And, and she liked Beauty of Murder and Evidence of Ghosts. And we've talked about working together for a while. And, and she just rang me up and said, I've got this idea of a, a game at Christmas in a snowed in country house, very Christy, but set now. And I want it to be clever and have lots of clues. And I really want you to write it for me. Would you write it for me? <laughs> in the, the kind of dream scenario, it's really. Someone theme going says, on here, Alexandra. People just phone you up <laughs> and offer you amazing gigs. <laughs> well, I, and I encourage that to anyone listening. Um, Any please, producers please, of uh, TV, yes. TV executives out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just ask me and yeah. I'll probably do it. So that was one of those, oh my God, excuse me. And um, yes, please. Yes, Catherine. So I I did. And and I, what I loved is that I could do something slightly different while still the geeky part of me that read Agatha Christie at seven and eight and consumed all of her works and every other golden age crime by the time I was 16. I could, I could channel that part of me. Yeah. And it is a challenge to write something that is in some ways cosy, but that has some kind of uh, edge and darkness running underneath it. And it gave me an opportunity to write in a, in a different way. Yeah. Which I, I, I really liked. It feels like both a, a, a beautiful writing exercise and, and a way of getting across other sides of me. You mentioned earlier on you, you do sort of fairly substantial planning, but this must have been, I mean, mm. the plotting-wise, did you have all this nailed down? You must have done, I would have thought. Before. I did, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. it's intricate to say the least. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like a beautiful, you know, like a beautiful Chinese puzzle or something. I just thought it was oh. so it was so smart, but I mean, that was something where I was reading it thinking, that, yeah, she must have had this all worked out beforehand. I did. I had a, an exhaustive plan in place before I, I had well I had the first and last line written because that's what I tend to do before I have anything else but yes there was a 16 page plan right okay with how it all intersected and the themes that would be coming through um, I, I wrote the sonnets the poems of the clues and I wrote that before I started the actual writing as well yeah and it's, it's worth saying if anyone hasn't read it that there's there's games within the the game in the book as well because you've yes got, you've got like word puzzles and anagrams going yeah. on in a sort of metafictional yeah. way and also the thing that made me laugh out loud was the acknowledgements or a word search which i just thought was the <laughs> was the best idea <laughs> best idea i mean i mean it's a great book but that's that was absolutely <laughs> that made me laugh so much i was like oh, that's so cool oh my god i wish i'd thought of that 
Uh, it's really good because then you don't have to worry about the wording either. You just put the names in. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it solved many things. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite know how I suddenly got the idea that it would be really fun to put in anagrams of things that the reader would spot. But it's probably the thing that um, people have liked the most, which I'm not sure what that says. But uh, people really like looking for it. So I'm writing um, another one at the moment, and and that's got word games within it as well. Right, okay, cool. And, And it's really fun to work out how to try and work those anagrams in without them standing out too much sure. which is not easy yeah yeah i can imagine you mentioned that you're writing another one just now i mean i read somewhere yes. that you always have a you know several projects on the go at once is that how you like to I have do. it you like to have like you know be able to dip into various things or how does it work i generally have about five or six different things going on at once okay. so at the moment i'm in the middle of writing three commissioned short stories two radio scripts the next Christmas mystery, and and a few other novels <laughs> that I've got that, I come, that are always bubbling away. Yeah. That's not the most I've had on, or, or or the least, but that that's quite normal for me. I need to have lots of different things going on, otherwise my brain starts being too hyperactive. Do you need to spend a lot of time on one in a row? Or do you, do you, is it literally day to day, one day one thing, one day another thing? How do you how do you decide? Do you just panic until the deadline's really almost there? Yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> deadline. <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. And and obviously, when there's lots of different things, there's lots of different deadlines, which means uh, my adrenaline is in a bad way, uh, and I have high blood pressure as a result of permanent stress. But I also don't quite know how to how to not be like that partly because i'm neurodivergent and it's how my brain works but it'd be good to try and marshal that rather than just lurch from deadline to deadline and is there anything else that you haven't been asked randomly to do with a a random phone call that you would love to do let's just (laughs) let's just like uh let's try and manifest it put it out there in the world oh brilliant that's a great idea Um, I really want to write for TV. I want to write Doctor Who for TV, obviously. But I also would like to have original series and adaptations of my crime novels on TV. Great. That's going to be happening in a couple of years now. Now that we've said it out loud, someone's going to... Uh, That's the way it works, isn't it? It it would just just go, pop. I won't have to do anything. That's definitely how this business works. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, Alexandra, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. I think that's uh, that's that's been really fun. I really enjoyed it. I hope you've had a good time. Oh, I have pretty much. I've laughed a lot. That was Alexandra Benedict in conversation with Doug Johnston. You can find out more about Alexandra on her website at akbenedict.com. And that concludes episode 418 which was recorded by Doug Johnston and produced by Kona McPhee. Coming up in episode 419, Ian Awis shares the important role that stories have played as companions during dark times, and Elizabeth Cook explores how losses sometimes become gains. We hope you'll join us. You've been listening to Writers Aloud podcast brought to you by writers for the Royal Literary Fund in London. To subscribe to podcasts and to find out more about the work of the RLF, please visit our website at www.rlf.org.uk. Thanks for listening.